Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. One man who always has an opinion, and I thoroughly enjoy reading what he does put up on Facebook on social media because it's always well constructed, it's always well thought out, and he writes with a lot of passion. And that is Howard Dobson. You'll always remember Howard, Dobbo's Plays of the Week on TV3, joins us on the programme. Howard, good evening, welcome. Mark, uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, no, absolutely. How are you, mate? I saw a, I saw a, a post on Facebook from you, and the weather was about as miserable as the weather that I was also viewing at the same time. It's been appalling. <laughs> I went for a couple of uh, hurricane beach walks if you could, <laughs> in the hurricane. Uh, but no, mate, like a lot of New Zealanders, you're pulling your hair out waiting for the weather to get better. I see North Island's going to cop it again. But a uh, place to be, I hear, is Cromwell, around Christchurch, Cromwell, Akaraa seems to be the place to be an NZ at the moment. You'll avoid the raindrops. Mm. Look, your most recent post um, was to do with the Wellington Phoenix um, escaping with a 1-0 win against Sydney at Allianz Stadium after two Phoenix players were red-carded and <laughs> we managed to save two penalties. What In two minutes during stoppage time. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm going to ask you this. So... What frustrated you? I mean, it ends up being one of the great games, but was it off the back of some poor refereeing? I mean, what what was the contentious issues for you in that game? Oh, I suppose the memories of the refs versus the Warriors flooded back. We just don't get the rub of the green, the 50-50s, and the poor old Phoenix copped it. And we saw red cards that didn't deserve to happen. And okay, one of our boys grabbed the throat, but it was I think it was more of a... Uh, in jest than anything else that he gets red carded after a previous offence. It was just bizarre. I think, well, these referees seem to be quite theatrical, don't they? they are they almost um, prima donna or some of these guys um, doing Hollywoods when they're not tickled? Uh, I just I just was shocked. It's almost like the referee was incensed by the crowd to do something and it just was just bizarre. So I had no issues with Ollie's sale waving his hand at the ref's face while he's preparing to save the second penalty, which was kicked wide. He didn't have to lay a finger on it anyway. But the whole thing was almost theatrical, but it was infuriating at the same time. Yeah, it's interesting with the referees because when you get to the highest level at the World Cup, they're, a lot of the time I think they are, you know, we didn't, I've got to say, I didn't, there was the, there was the Japan goal, which clearly crossed the line in my opinion. Um, was it Japan? Who did they end up beating off that particular goal anyway? But most of the time, I didn't think we spent a lot of time the next day talking about the referees, but it's almost at that tier no. below. Um, yeah, they sort of get almost caught up in their own celebrity. Yes, and that's a very good point, hence the theatrical nature of it. I think, what is it, the God syndrome? Give someone a white coat on the, on the gate and they won't let you in. Um, that's the next level, isn't it? Um <laughs> I'm just uh, pleased for them uh, how they won in such bizarre circumstances when the odds were stacked against them. And, yeah, it felt a little bit of them and us, you know, uh, the Aussies against the Kiwis, um, because we don't see many New Zealand officials in the NRL or in the Aussie Football League, and it's just you kind of feel that they're the the part that's missing in neutrality. (laughs) But good on the Knicks. Wow, nine men... 
two penalties that didn't go in, and we steal a one nil result. It's just it's just marvellous. But it was the weirdest game probably you'd ever see. But they, they reckon it's probably the craziest game ever in the um, Australian Football League. But but sometimes you need weird. Sometimes you need crazy to promote the sport to uh, draw some attention to it. And right or wrong. Hey, more people now aware of that game, more people now curious to tune in next time the two sides do play each other. Absolutely. And it's off the backdrop that they've already predetermined where the playoff yeah. final's going to be and, you know, all those Wellington yeah. fans are denied a, a home final if we make it. it. I think it's compounding issues and mm. this was just taking mm. more frustration. Look, I, I want to I ask you this one. I get annoyed in sport with sports trying to be too perfect, you know, trying to change the rules to take out any of man's frailties or any of man's flaws because we want to target the family. And yet we have a game like that and there's a lot of discussion. People are suddenly looking to watch the replay, trying to find out what what it was all about, what the drama was all about, what it looked like. We see a punch-up in State of Origin and 50,000 people get off their seats and it's highly engaging on television. Uh, we saw Sevens in Wellington where, yeah, alcohol was served, people dressed up, and it was a great party. It was the hottest ticket in town. But we see sports trying to cut all of that stuff out, trying to somehow believe that we're all perfect, there's only a small percentage of fans who are flawed. Where I'm of the belief, go the other way. Stop being prats. market and allow the game to be played, allow fans to have an experience in and around the fact that we are flawed. Clearly, clearly there is a line. I get that, and you have consequences in place. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just sick and tired of everything being so damn sanitised to try and appease a few people. And it, and I say, it, it, we are flawed. I mean, history proves that. Yeah, are you talking about the sevens that are coming to Hamilton shortly? Oh, I, I, I'm just well no. Well, I, I, you know, I want to see a bit of Biff back in State of Origin. I want to see the Wellington sevens going. I don't mind if a streaker runs on the field. I don't, you know, like I say, it's entertaining. It is who we are. Most of us move on and get over it. We're not offended by it. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, one minute they're, they're stopping the fun, and next minute they're screaming for people to come back. So it's it's a catch twenty two, but. Uh, look, what have we got coming up? The Sevens at Hamilton. It's the last time New Zealand get to host them. So I imagine there'll be a bit of uh, fun, uh, as long as people aren't melting in the fun. Because she was 26 degrees in the shade today, and I imagine she's going to get very warm for that version of the Sevens. But it won't be the same as Wellington. And when will New Zealand get it back, mate? So <laughs> maybe people will let their hair down Wellington style at the Hamilton Sevens. Yeah, I just think sport take themselves way too seriously these days. And I, I just look around. And what I've noticed is with this sort of move to... Um, yeah, this move to good behaviour and, and sanitise everything. All I'm seeing is crowd numbers down. Uh, there doesn't seem to be the interest in live sport anymore. Um, yet I see a market increase in interest in sports like mixed martial arts and boxing, perhaps the gladiatorial. Perhaps people do like to see, you know, mankind in a flawed way. Well, they like, they like seeing blood, don't they? <laughs> they certainly watch it in the virtual world. Uh <laughs> Yeah, look, I think we're spoiled for opportunity, mate. There's just too many things happening. And then when things happen, they happen too often. Uh, But then you've got the reverse side. Like, uh, I remember the times at Eden Park at the cricket where the TV3 were covering stories where about 48 people turned up at a 
a ground that holds nearly 50,000, and people turned away for having butter knives in their chilli bins so that stopped them from watching the cricket. So, yeah, we do see bizarre things. And as I say, give man a bit of authority, put him in a white coat, and they have a god complex uh, wanting to stop people or deny them. So, But, um, mate, one of the things that blew me away in the last over the weekend was the test match that was called off with three overs to go for bad light when the floodlights were on. When the last scoring shot was a six, but deemed too dangerous to play on. I mean, how ridiculous that you come to five days. It's like a triathlon, mate, or a marathon with 100 metres to go. Sorry, we're calling the race off. There might be a couple of potholes and someone might get injured. Here we had two umpires call the game off uh, for the for fear of uh, danger to the batsman when both teams could have won with three overs to go, New Zealand versus Pakistan and Karachi. That's probably one of the craziest non-finishes I've ever seen. Well, I think the only time that you stop for bad light is if the batsmen at each end deem it to be too dangerous and appeal to the umpires for bad light. If both batters are continued are prepared to continue to play or both batters say, look, I'm continued to play, um, and if the light meter says potentially we should leave the field, I'm, if look, if you're going to stop your fast bowling, just bowl spin, we're happy to continue to play, then let's play. Uh, but this is what I'm talking about. Why well, preordain and, and, things? You've got growing adults there. You've got a result up. Test cricket's in trouble. We want to see the climax. You've probably got one of the biggest audiences glued to the television. It doesn't often happen in test cricket where you come down to a situation like that. Suddenly you've got test cricket that's taking the best of T20, the best of one day, putting it in the most traditional format, only for a couple of umpires using technology to shut it down. Agreed. And under the laws, which is an ass, they shot themselves in the foot. The, the umpires are the be-all and end-all on light decisions, but they should have given offered it back to the batsmen. Hey, we're only 15 yeah. runs away from a win. We want to carry on. Give it back to the bowlers. Yeah, we're only one wicket away. We want to carry on. Let the players decide it. So that's one law that desperately needs to be changed because cricket, test cricket was an ass, and that was a nail in the coffin. Both New Zealand and Pakistan could have won that game. It was epic. It goes so deep. Three overs on the fifth day to finish it. Okay, if they played it out, it was a draw, so be it. But at least go to duration. And the players should be offered that. And I think cricket desperately need to revisit that and say, hey, if the players want to continue, we've played back, backyard cricket at night or in softball. You keep going to your finish until mum calls you in for dinner. So what, it's dark, your eyes have adjusted, play on. I just don't understand what happened there. That was just outrageous. In that series, I was talking to Garth Galloway earlier, and he felt that New Zealand guilty of Kane Williamson allowing Kane Williamson his milestone of 200 and wasting about 10 overs and his stagnating scoring from 183 to 200. We saw the Australians with Usman Khawaja on 195, and they just declared and said, no, we want to give ourselves a chance. I mean, did uh, we put in individual performance ahead of the team here? Was, Was we guilty of that with Kane Williamson? Well, he only seems to bat at one tempo, which is not good enough for T20 cricket. And I don't think he should be in the team, but that's another discussion. Um, in terms of the captaincy, if you listen to Ian Smith on Fox Sport with covering the South Africa Aussie series, Smith has been offered, offered, interviewed a couple of times. And he's been the absolute gold with Skull, Kerry O'Keefe. And he reckons that Kane Williamson reluctantly, not by willingly, gave up the captaincy. And... So I think there's something a little bit deeper yeah. in this because Smithy's usually got his ear to the ground. He knows who's who in the zone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 I, I wonder whether Kane's, uh, yeah, oh, had oh, a little tension yeah. having the captaincy removed from him. Yeah, my understanding is there's a different philosophy between Gary Steer, the coach, and Kane Williamson, and they share a very different philosophy. And there has been tension there for some time, and thus the change. Mind you, I'm not sure that 
Gary Stead well, do you know, is necessarily we is necessarily in a position to be having uh, yeah necessarily be retaining his job at the same time, in my opinion. Anyway, well, I'm interested in the philosophy because I think they're both passive. They both uh, aren't. They don't take the game by the throat. They're both conservative. Um, oh, I think Stead needs to go as well, mate. But look, Kane's magnificent in ODI, magnificent in Test cricket. Uh, unfortunately, I felt that his, his tempo on the T20s cost us badly, and that was reflected in also in the World Cup, the recent World Cup. But yeah, um, I, well, let's flip it the other way. The new captain with Tim Southey, I thought he was a great declaration the day before, and he gets two for none before stumps. Well, that was bold. And it paid off, and we almost stole the win the next day. Yeah, interesting. Look, I think they are taking a leaf out of Brendan McCullum, out of Ben Stokes, out of Basball, whatever you want to call it. I think everybody's realising that cricket's struggling to capture the essence and the passion that we grew up with in the 1980s and the 1990s. Test cricket, it is how players' legacies are ultimately determined. Um, and for Test cricket to be successful, you've got to take the elements of one-day cricket, you've got to take the elements of T20 cricket, and you've got to somehow fuse them into the Test game. England have done it brilliantly, and I think I think we saw a little of it under Southey. Absolutely. Um, and the issue is, since we were uh, the inaugural Test Championship winners, we haven't won a Test series since. We haven't won a Test in the last five Tests. We've slipped from first to eighth, so it's been a dramatic fall from grace in terms of the rankings. And we to have no faith in our spinners at home, mm. and then when we play abroad, they don't play enough. Mm. Did you know that after Patel got 10 for against India, 14 for in the match, he'd only bowled two overs in one year since he did that astonishing feat? Yeah, and he looked, two overs going into the Pakistan series? Yeah. He was so undercooked. Yeah, he? and he looked underdone. He just struggled to find that consistency, didn't he? Um, and, and then you have Soda, who hadn't played a test in four years. Mm-hmm. But, what? But, but look, the other frustration coming up too is we've got England here for two tests, a really, really good England team. Bolt's not available because he's playing in a T20 cricket tournament in the UA. Good luck to him. He's entitled to go and do that. But surely the people, run, but surely people running the game, both here and at the ICC, can somehow create a little bit more of a window. We've got arguably our best test bowler probably since Hadley. And he's unavailable yep. against a very good England team because he's paying some ridiculous tournament, the UAE, which only have any coverage at all. You know, you only need to get 1% of the Indian population and, uh, you know, you're going to get your money back tenfold, aren't you? It's, 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 it's appalling. Then you look around and you see that Matt Henry's out injured. You've still got Kyle Jamison. He's out. You've well, got Ad, not, Ad, he, Ad, won't be, he won't be available for the first test of that series. Yeah, and Adam, play, Adam, play Adam Milne probably won't be fit. Uh, boy, it, it's, you know, at a time when cricket needs to be winning, particularly... I mean, I'd imagine they're quietly pleased that Spark's fallen over and these games are going to be shown somehow on some platform through Television New Zealand. Yeah, look, we've never... When was the last time New Zealand cricket didn't have a home game around Boxing Day, around New Year's? They don't play a home game until February, Mm. uh, which is astonishing. And, yeah, I I think a lot of people are pleased that Spark's about to, you know... Dump it. We all knew it wasn't going to work on that platform, and TVNZ's a benefactor, so we're going to see 
live free-to-air sport of our cricket mm. team. And look what it did for the black uh, for the women's rugby team in the Women's World Cup. Yeah, but well, look, the reason why those women were elevated to demigod status was that the country could see it on free-to-air. Yeah, but I tell you what, we're going to have everybody ringing up, talking about the number of commercials that Television New Zealand are going to play. Um, now, <laughs> Well, you can't have it both ways. You've got to pay for it uninterrupted or accept it free to air with some interruptions. Absolutely. Look, absolutely. Hey, look, just finally, been a bit of a discussion too around number one tennis lane, or what formerly known as Stanley Street, for the tennis. I mean, just two weeks of the year, yeah. but women's tournament, basically an absolute disaster last week. I'm not sure the men's is necessarily going to be any better looking at the forecast as of tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I mean, you put a roof on it. I mean, who pays for it? But it's also probably just symbolic or a bit of an indictment on just the general quality of or lack of world-class sporting facilities in this country. Yep. Yep, and we... Yeah, uh, uh, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, all the Grand Slams have roof facilities, so if you're going to pay $1,500 to be corkside you, and it rains, you know that you could, you're going to have the roof put up. Uh, I think part of the problem is that the indoor facilities that they switched to are on the North Shore, so it's a bit of a drive over the bridge from Stanley Street. And people who, you know, want to, if they're going to park it for a day at a venue, don't want to have to drive to the next venue to see it indoors. So they desperately need indoor facilities at Stanley Street, even if it's humble, only holds 300 seats. Um, people don't want to move, and you sit there for hours waiting for the rain to stop, and the women's final was interrupted mm. twice. And But that women's final last night, I think, started after 10 o'clock at night. Can you believe that? The day before most people go back to work? I was in bed. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was watching. I thought, is this live? It's live. Mm. I do, I but, do. yeah, look, hey, one thing about that, because it's a, what is it? It's a tier four event, right? So it, our, the money's pathetic. The players don't come for the money. But, gee, we get some good names coming, you know. Venus Williams, Coco Goff, who won it. Wow. For an event that's... Not there for the money. We do an amazing job attracting some stars, don't we? Yeah, and I've got to say, Coco Goff, she actually turned up with her father to watch the Auckland Tuatara at North Harbour Stadium a week earlier. It was lovely to actually see her come along. And she Did just... you mention that in your commentary? I think I might have yesterday. <laughs> well, she had, to... she had to... How's the Tuatara going? What sort of crowds are getting there, mate? Well, it's crowds. an interesting one because it's been just... The weather's just ruined it. We haven't had that ability to get some momentum. I mean, I think your best night we've had about probably 2,000, but you've got to realise too there's four games over the space of sort of three days, so it does tend to get spread out a little bit. It's not like there's just one game a week. I think if you had just one game a week, you'd probably get a lot larger crowds. But look, it's got a it's got a small following. It's slowly building. Uh, seems to be yeah, it seems to have, have a reasonable following, but you've got to start somewhere. Rome and there's a few major league scouts there ready to appoint someone special? Well look, most of, the, most of the players with most of the clubs are affiliated with major league clubs anyway. Most of them come out of AA, AAA or are former major leaguers um, and they're actually you know they've got relationships with most of the major league clubs so the standard of baseball is actually very very high indeed and it is um, an opportunity. Oh look we had Jared Koenig out here three years ago now Jared was picked up by the Tuatara he was playing what they call independent ball in America so independent ball is not associated with any major league club it's just a sort of professional competition staged somewhere in America and so sort still of get paid. smaller. They still get paid. Yeah they still get paid but bugger all and so he took a chance came down here um, pitched really, really well for the Tuatara, got picked up by the Oakland A's, left the Tuatara wow. early, which didn't help us that season, went back, played double A, got promoted to triple A, this year made his major league debut for the Oakland Athletics and ended up pitching 10 games, made his major league debut against um, the Atlanta Braves, second game was against the Boston Red Sox. And that just shows you, I guess, the seriousness 
of the Australian Baseball League in terms of the way the major league clubs look at it, but also the pathway that is now available to young baseball players in this country. Now, I've got to ask you, I did a bit of channel surfing, speaking of the Tuatara, and I, I flicked through, I saw it for about three seconds. Did I see a gazebo, or was it a marquee a few metres back from where the catcher uh, sets up to receive the pitch? Correct, Dobbo. They if you, set up, if you come so al- what's that, like a little player's tunnel to the diamond? I've never seen that before. They don't have that in the Major League, do they? That's just to accommodate the shocking weather to get the boys undercover as soon as possible. What was that? There no, for? the one directly behind home plate? Yeah. No, that's where people like you come and sit if you know the right people. That's actually for spectators. Oh, so that's the VIP seating area. Dobbo, you come along. I know people who know people, (laughs) and I can get you in there, and you can just have a look at how fast these guys are throwing and how much movement there is on that ball. I know. I don't doubt it for a second. You've only got to go to a cricket match to watch Ferguson bowl 150 clicks, and you can't see it uh, when you're close to the ground. So I imagine those pitches are just as quick. Well, they're throwing it. They're throwing at 150k an hour. Some will go close to 160. The difference between baseball and cricket is that once it leaves the hand in cricket and it goes actually hits the ground and goes past the wicket, it's down to about 120. In baseball, it'll leave the hand at 100 mile an hour, come past your head at 100 mile an hour. Now we've got one more home series against the Brisbane Bandits, but I know people who know people. you just got to get in touch with me. Wow, wow. No, I, I hadn't seen that before. I thought, well, how, how cool is that? So, oh, no, it's prime. That's, yeah, that's, 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 that's prime time. I mean, when you go to a baseball game, the best seats are directly what? behind home plate. Yeah. Love it, mate. Oh, well, next time I uh, channel hop, I'll, I'll watch a bit more on that one. I think it was you had a rain delay, so I thought, right, I'll flick on to the next one. But I, I'd never seen that before in, in semi-professional sport on NZ, eh? It was yeah. very clever. Yeah, very no, clever. they do a good job. Hey, Dobbo, lovely to have you on the programme. We'll do it regularly. Good man, as always. Thank you. Yeah, and, and just one thought, I suppose, another all-black fly south uh, for the uh, next summer. Uh, um, yeah, well, good luck to him. Well done. to lose them, aren't we? Uh, yeah. But I suppose it's just normal, isn't it? In the World Cup, yeah, they always yeah. let you know. Oh, uh, look, I, I think, I think, I think longevity in the All Black jersey is now about probably about six years at best. You're probably going to get most guys, um, you know, might have 50, 60 tests and they're gone. And that's just the harsh reality of it. I don't think you'll see a lot of guys in the future necessarily going on to play 100, 100 plus tests. Uh, I think, no. mind you, they don't play a lot of rugby these days. They're rested the whole time, aren't they? Hey, do you know any good real estate agents in the Hamilton Waikato region? <laughs> Hey, you don't have to do that, mate. Uh, people can find me if they want to buy and sell houses in Hamilton. That's all good. Just look up Dobbo. There you <laughs> go. Brilliant. Howard Dobson, as always, thank oh, you. you mate. Have, have a, have a, have, and, and let me know, um, when are you going to get Mr. Wild on the show? You know, Slapping Eck, isn't he the hottest thing in, in uh, triathlon at the moment? What's, what's happening with him? We can get Hayden on. We can get Hayden. We can phone Hayden. I'll probably see him in a week's time, actually, down at the Port of Tauranga Half Ironman or the... Mount Half Ironman, which is one of the big races. I don't think he does it individually at the moment, but he certainly always takes part in a team event. He's a Tauranga boy. Is he not New Zealand's best endurance athlete at the moment? Uh, I I think New Zealand's best endurance athlete at the moment. I'm, yeah, look, I think... Yeah, look, I, I guess we measure it by Olympics, don't well, we? Like you, but I think, I, I think, I, th- words, I no, I think Braden Curry is our best endurance athlete. Wins the coast to coast, wins the New Zealand Ironman, top five in the world in Hawaii. I think Braden Curry is our best endurance athlete in the country at the moment. I think different, different though. It's a bit like trying to compare an eight hundred meter runner for a marathon runner. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, mate. All um, hey, happy New Year, and uh, looking forward to. Uh, 
uh, some good good old fashioned debates on the wireless with you, mate. Now looking forward to it. Thank you, Howard Dobson. There.